You are listening to the audio preaching podcast of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Fallbrook, California, pastored by James Christensen. Though located in the heart of Southern California, you will hear powerful, relevant, and life-changing preaching from the Word of God. Pastor Christensen believes that every Christian can reach their potential for the Lord. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. First Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, and John chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, thank you again, Pastor, for the privilege. 1 Peter chapter 3 and John chapter number 3. 1 Peter 3 and John 3, while you're turning there, let's sing God is so good. Just one verse real quick while you're turning to 1 Peter 3 and John chapter 3. All right, ready? God is so good, God is so good, God is so good, He's so good to me. It's my favorite song of all the songs ever made because the last part says He's so good to me. I know he loves the world, but I'm his favorite. He loves me, and I'm so thankful for it. I had you turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. The Bible says this, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. Just for a few moments tonight, I would like to address the statement that every member is a missionary. Every single one of you. Missions is one of two things. Missions, well, it's actually both. One of two things you exercise. What I mean by that is this. Missions is both across the street and around the world. And so you as a member of, not Victory Baptist Church, Cornerstone Baptist Church, you as a member of Cornerstone Baptist Church are a missionary. Every single member here is a missionary. Your mission field is Jerusalem. Your Jerusalem. Acts 1.8 says it this way, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost. Fallbrook. The uttermost. So you have a responsibility to be a missionary. I love the church I grew up is in Long Beach. It started in Paramount and then moved in Long Beach. And when you walk out of there, even today, when you walk out of there, there's placards. And you've probably seen it before. Preachers in here or visitors when you go to other churches. And you walk out and it says you are now entering the mission field. And so tonight, just for a brief moment, I'd like to address you, the member, as a missionary. I want to encourage you through John chapter 3. So we're supposed to be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. You do not have to be a religious expert, but you must know how you were born again. And then how to help somebody else, one beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread. And so it's important for you. You must have that squared away. 
And so last night, we looked at the greatest example in all of the world of a giver. That's Jesus Christ. So I thought it'd be a good idea to look at the greatest soul winner that ever lived, Jesus Christ. Look at John chapter 3. By way of introduction, we're going to look at the first seven verses quickly. Verse 1, John chapter 3. You guys are doing great already. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi... We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I like the fact that Nicodemus is confused, and God, as we learned last night, is not the author of confusion. And so Jesus said, let me clarify it. That which is born of water, or excuse me, verse 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so Jesus said, Obviously, you've had a water birth. This is not talking about a baptism. If you have questions about that, we can talk later, talk to pastor later. But this is not talking about baptism. And he's saying, well, think about it. When a lady is pregnant and she's getting ready to download, that's the technical term for it. She's getting ready to have that baby. The event that usually happens right at that moment is her what breaks, her water breaks. That's the water we're talking about here. And Jesus says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the capital S Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, water birth, and that which is born of the Spirit, capital S, is Spirit. So he says in verse 7, Don't be surprised. That's AJV. Marvel not. Don't be surprised. Marvel not that I say unto thee, he must be born again. So in the first seven verses, Nicodemus comes at night. Like I said, the first Nick at night is right here. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, will you sign my Bible? You are so amazing. I heard about all of these miracles. And Jesus said, did you hear the one about the water and the wine? Jesus didn't do that. Jesus went right to the heart of the matter as the greatest soul winner ever. And he said this, you need to get saved. You must be born again. One of my favorite words in the book of John and really in the Bible is the word must. I like that. Zacchaeus, come down. Make haste. I must abide. And I, the word must is a great word studying the word of God. And so here our example tonight of Almighty God the Son is spending some one-on-one -on -one time. Do you understand that Jesus was a missionary? He left, I define, you're not going to be able to write all this down. I just made my own definition. A missionary is one individual called by God to leave where they are to go where he leads to share the gospel to one in need. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to leave Fallbrook and go all the way to the state of Maine. That's not what that means. You leave where you are to go where God calls you, which is literally across the street on Saturday when you go door to door. So missionaries, as soon as you exit the building, and sometimes in the building, we do the work of an evangelist. We do the work of a missionary right here. That's why I'm glad every service we've had invitation. We've allowed people who don't know for sure they're saved to get saved, to get born again. I like that. So here, Jesus 
is one-on-one -on -one as a missionary. He left home, greatest missionary in the history of the world, left heaven and came to a foreign field because he obeyed the call of God. At one point, even Jesus, being 100% man, said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. What an example, the greatest example. So Nicodemus, according to our definition, Jesus was called by God to leave heaven and come to this earth to share the gospel with Nicodemus, who was in need and didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. I mean, come on, he's a ruler of the Jews, etc., etc. But the greatest translated verse in all of the Bible is John 3.16. In all of the Bible, it is the most translated verse in all of the Bible. But think about this. Jesus gave that verse to one person. He said that to one man. Now, I know we recorded in Scripture and we, we benefit from that. And the AJV says, for God so loved AJ. But, but anyway... He gave that to the whole world, but he told just one man. Do you understand mission, missions work is done one individual at a time? Pastor, I prayed when you asked me last night, you said, Brother Andrew, could you preach? I said, I began to pray on the way home. I was praying. I was thinking about, I love Romans chapter one. Oh, I wanted to preach that tonight. I am debtor. I love that. But I couldn't get away from the fact that our greatest example spent one-on-one -on -one time all through the book of John, all his whole ministry. He had compassion. We saw that last night on the multitude. Healed everybody. But there were times where he was, you know, guys, you go ahead and go to the taco truck. I'm going to go to the well. I've got an appointment, a divine appointment. I'm a missionary. And he comes to a Samaritan woman. And he's, what are you talking to me? Don't you know your kind? Don't talk to my kind. And Jesus said, I'm not a respecter of persons. All lives matter. And so he witnessed to her one-on-one. -on -one. Oh, I wish I had an hour. So our text tonight is John 3, 16. I've given you a handout because this is actually homework. I'm going to give, them, give you my outline. You're going to jot down some verses, and I have to give credit. I did not make this outline. I, I heard it in a sermon. I completely butchered it and made it my own because I have a little OCD and I like to alliterate things. And so I changed it. But this is, didn't originate with me in my secret place. 99% of my messages just originated in my secret place. This one is from like high school. And I heard a man of God just get up and he rambled these things off. And I thought, whoa, 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 rewind the tape. <laughs> rewind the tape. And, and I wrote them down in my, my old red Bible that has all fallen apart. And now I've changed it made it my own. So this didn't originate with me, but I think this will be a blessing. When you think about you are a missionary, what do we tell them? What do we tell someone who is lost? I'm supposed to be ready to give an answer of every man of the hope that, of the reason of the hope that lieth in me. I'm supposed to do that. So what do we tell them? Let's look at John 3, 16. Number one in your outline, I've got, I, you know, I need one, bud. I've got mine, but I want to make sure I don't mess up. So give me one. Hurry, quick. Come on, buddy. Hurry, quick, quick, faster. That's why you wear tennis shoes, right? All right, here we go. So, all right, good. So number one, we'll be quick. The greatest, write this down, the greatest person. And here's the verse I want you to jot down. We're not going to turn to it. I'm respecting the time. The greatest person for God. The greatest person. The Bible says it this way in Psalm 95, 3. Write that down. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all lowercase g gods. 
for God, the greatest person. Number two, so loved the greatest passion. Write this verse down, John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. For God, the greatest person, so loved the greatest passion. John 15, 13. The world, the greatest prison. Psalm 102, verse 18 through 20. If I'm going too fast, I'm not leaving till midnight because that's how pastor rolls around here. So uh, you can get my notes after, all right? Psalm 102, verse 18 through 20. The world, the greatest prison. This shall be written for the generation to come. Psalm 102, verse 18 through 20. And the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. For he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven did the Lord behold the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner. He hears the groaning of the prisoner. And then the Bible says to loose those that are appointed to death. Do you understand for the believer? And I do not mean to be disrespectful or irreverent at all. But for the believer, this is the only non-heaven will ever experience. I, I can't even call it non-heaven because this isn't even close to hell. Not even close, but for the believer, this is the worst. But for the non-believer, for the believer, this is the greatest prison. But for the non-believer, this is Disneyland. This is the greatest paradise for them. And so we as missionaries have to leave here tonight. And as we're pumping gas, we've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God who may say, go talk to him. We have to understand our responsibility. Pastor, do you know who passes these out? People that carry them. I learned that from Pastor Wilkerson. And I was like, I don't have any on me. And I just said, I need to carry them. So I pass them out, run out of them. We can't play basketball anymore. We're playing basketball and I'm dribbling. And my son, one of them, will go run across the park to give a gospel track. And I'm like, can we at least wait till a dead ball? But they've taken it seriously. They understand that this is the greatest prison for the believer, but for them. And so we've got to be busy. For God so loved the world that he gave the greatest proof. That he gave the greatest proof. Romans 5.8. But God commended or demonstrated or proved his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, that'll preach, Christ died for us. The greatest proof. He didn't just say he loved you, he proved it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The greatest propitiation. 1 John 2.2, 2. you say, how do you spell that? Just write 1 John 2.2 2 and later look it up. The Bible says, and he is the propitiation for our sins. That's great. And not for ours only. We cannot be spiritual hoarders of the gospel. We can't just put money in an offering plate and think we've done our missionary duty. It is our responsibility as believers to go into the highways and the hedges and compel them. Not have a nice day. Compel them. Listen, sir, you need to be born again. You're having marital problems. You'll never fix that in and of yourself. You need the Holy Spirit to come in and lead and guide you. And you can't do that without Jesus Christ. Compel them to come. 
So why, why do we need to compel him? Because the greatest example in all the world was the propitiation for our sins. But not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. No Calvinism there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, the greatest proposal, the greatest proposal. I would love to tell you the story of how I proposed to my wife. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is I proposed to one woman. Just one woman. Till death, not murder. I have to remind her that. Till death do us part. One woman. But listen, when God proposed, he proposed to the whole world. For God so loved the world. Hey, preachers, that word so, I don't know if you've ever looked it up in our favorite dictionary, that ugly green one, that 1828 Webster's Dictionary, has 20 definitions for the word so. I preached the message, probably took me an hour and 15 minutes to preach the message, the word so. And when I was done, I was like, I can't, I can't, I don't know how to define it. The last definition, number 20, is my favorite. It basically says, I don't know how to define it. And God so loved you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, the greatest proposal, Revelation 20, verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that uh, heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Greatest proposal, the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, the greatest promise. Acts 16, 31. Believeth in him, the greatest promise. Acts 16, 31, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. What a promise. Just believe. I, I, many times leading people to the Lord, I'll use the ABCs. Admit, believe, confess. Admit, believe, confess. Admit that you are exactly who God says you are. Filthy, rotten sinner. We can't go past that unless you agree with that. And we have to admit that he is exactly who he says he is. Holy, holy, holy. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. The greatest punishment. The greatest punishment. For the believer, the earth is the greatest prison. For the non-believer, the greatest punishment, Revelations 20 Verse 14 and 15, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The Bible says it is appointed unto man, how many times to die? Help me out. It is appointed unto man once to die. Why? Because God elected the world. God loved the world. He gave the world an opportunity to believe and not die twice. But with our free will, we have exactly that, a free will. And we can stiff arm the Holy Ghost to the point that we become Romans 1, completely callous and shelved, and God gave them up. That's why we have men and women, scratch that, that's why we have males and females who run around confused, have no idea what they are. Because God gave them up. See, he gave up on them, that's not what it says. 
but they have a will. The Bible says in Revelations 20, verse 14, death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. The greatest punishment. Do you understand what you do with your gospel literature, what you do with your mouth, literally aids or disaids, because that's a word, people from going to heaven or not? Acts 1-8, we already read it, and ye shall be witnesses, ye shall be. So you are a witness. You are a missionary. Are you a good one or not? You are one. If you're a born-again believer, you're a member here, you are a missionary. You shall be witnesses. Are you a good one or not? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have the greatest possession. The greatest possession. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. The Bible says, For what is a, uh, is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? But have the greatest possession. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. I like the song, Hallelujah, I have found him whom my soul so long has craved, but have, lastly, everlasting life, the greatest place. I like how Jesus, toward the end of his life, in John chapter 14, these are the verses, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, I like how he gathered his closest friends and he said this, John chapter 14, verse 1, Friends, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. The fact that we sing and believe and stand on that promise is pretty amazing. But what's sad is we hoard that promise to ourselves. I want to encourage you tonight as I close. Every member is a missionary. Every single one of you. We used to say, and we got away from it at our church, but we used to grab tracks, and every Sunday we say, please take five. We had a, a sign by them, and it said, take five. Take five and come back empty. Just, take, just go out and be ready to give an answer of every man of the hope that lies in you. That is a great introduction to my message, but I'm done. I want you to understand God loves you, but he loves the world. And it is our privilege and responsibility to go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come. Thank you for listening to this preaching podcast from Cornerstone Baptist Church. We hope that you were encouraged. For more information about our ministry, you can find us online at cornerstonefallbrook.org.